Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, July 15, 2018. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 13th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11,658. That's 11658. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11,659. That's 11659. This morning, A Vision for You presents When Will I Be Full? Physical, Emotional, and Spiritual Hunger. What is it that we're really hungering for? For real compulsive overeaters, food is reliable. We like the effect produced by food. Unlike friends, partners, or spouses, it is always there. But that's the problem. Anytime we feel spiritually and emotionally empty, disconnected, restless, irritable, or discontent, whether through fear, sadness, anger, remorse, or regret, it's easy to reach for food for a sense of ease and comfort and to fill that void and attempt to satisfy that hunger. Soon, once having formed the habit, food becomes the immediate answer to any yearning. Real compulsive overeaters like the effect produced by food. And you know where this leads. The more you try to treat emptiness, restlessness, irritability, and discontentment with food, the greater the desire will be. The greater your disease will become. We discover that there is often more pain involved than satisfaction, and the hunger and emptiness in any case never really goes away. Some of us continue a very long time in a state of illusion until broken, desperate, and despairing, we come with empty hands and an empty heart to Overeaters Anonymous to face the source of the problem. Fortunately, there is another source of comfort that is always there when you need it, a spiritual nourishment which can satisfy our hungers. The big book states that with few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Joining us today to offer her experience, strength, and hope is Julie E.B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. Julie is committed to our 12-step way of life, and she's here to share her story with all of us today. Welcome to the line, Julie. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so privileged to be here today to share my experience, strength, and hope. It is my desire that in sharing this, uh, much like it says on XII of the big book, uh, I hope that you may pause in reading this and hearing my story and think, first of all, perhaps, yes, that happened to me. More important, yes, I felt like that or most important, yes, I believe this program can work for me too. It can be said too often, but I truly believe if this can work for a compulsive overeater like me, it can work for a compulsive overeater like you. 
I want to begin with a set-aside prayer. Higher power, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about myself, program, this big book, uh, other people, especially my loved ones, and you, God, that I might have an open mind and a new experience. Amen. When will I be full? My childhood left me empty. It was kind of like I was on a beach where a cyclone is gathering offshore and the tide is only being sucked out and sucked away. It wasn't just water draining out. It was my energy and my life and my joy. When I was six years old, for the first time, I prayed for my mom as she was suicidal in words I did not even understand. And she lived. And I began to think that I needed to be the savior for the world. I remember also laying in front of my parents' door as they argued and screamed at each other, thinking that if I just listened to them, I had some sort of control over my destiny and future. Perhaps they would trip over me and notice me and put me to bed or send me to play. I had would wake up uh, Sunday mornings, me and my big sis, we would push the chair, uh, the big lounge chair over to the door of the kitchen, which my mom had locked. And we'd get down the key and we'd unlock it. And we'd eat uh, toast piece after piece of cinnamon raisin toast, watch cartoons, and try to ignore the Saturday morning ritual of fighting and arguing. When I was 12 years old, I looked down and thought, wow, my thighs are fat, something perhaps many uh, young people do. But for me, it began uh, a time of running, first slowly and then ever more quickly for exercise, but most of all, for a sense of control. During this time, I was trying, in a sense, to build my own seawall to keep the water in, but it was more like my two hands were trying to hold back the ocean as it receded. I would run up to 100 miles a week at times compulsively. Then I could eat whatever and whenever I wanted. I learned also to achieve, to get straight A's, to please other people, to notice their feelings and try to be there for them. Uh, And when things got silent, I would start an argument to keep conversation going, and I learned to rage. I would swing, as one of my favorite authors says, from grandiosity and all the things I could accomplish and do on the outside to anxiety and depression and a sense that I couldn't do anything on the inside. This way of life I call living from the outside in, always braced, always scared, always looking to the outside for something. I had a few blessings. I would write letters to the God of my understanding. I would look at the moon and dream of another life. My big sister protected me a lot until I was about 16. She began to party and pursue her own addiction. 
this drove me in a blessed way out of my childhood, this thing I found, this recipe of binging and restricting, of running and achieving and people-pleasing. But it was, as Bill's story say, to be a boomerang that would come back right at me. It drove me into work that I love, into a man I tried to love with the emptiness that was inside of me, and three miraculous children. I was trying to build a protective seawall, but the bricks were taken out of the lives and accomplishments of others. I was okay if they were okay. I was happy if they were happy. This is this delusion that it speaks of in the big book that I was living out of, that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of life. If just I could manage well. So I was the juggler, keeping all the plates in the air, keeping a smile on my face, and tears secretly hidden in isolation as I ate and ate and ate. This all came crumbling down for me. Um, I was beaten down by the food. I was 293 pounds. I had six specialists. I had a cardiologist, pulmonologist, neurologist. I had a a gynecological surgeon, a GI doc, and another specialist as well. I could no longer manage to keep these plates in the in in the air. I spent four months almost bedbound, screaming in pain uh, as my back went out, and I experienced horrific pain and agony, and hurt my family, who I had trained to be there for me, and there was nothing for me to be done. I was failing at my job. I was failing my husband. I was failing as a mom because, after all, everything wasn't working out to my vision of perfection. When I looked down inside, I saw just a black hole. I had no self at all outside of these roles that I was playing, these performances I was giving in the show of life, or this time I would spend as a director uh, trying to rearrange uh, all the pieces of the set of my life. Um, I had gained and lost by this time close to a 1,000 pounds in my lifetime, Uh, binging, restricting, binging, restricting, came to understand myself as a compulsive over and under eater. Most of all, also emotionally swinging from control to compliance, controlling everything to saying nothing about everything. And I knew no in-between. I had a God uh, uh, that was loving and graceful that I spoke of towards everyone else, But the voice in my head was, you're never good enough. If people really knew you, they wouldn't like you. You're too intense. You're too much. No one can ever see what's going on inside. If they do, surely they'll run screaming away. 
I was blessed to find a, another 12-step program uh, and a loving, caring community that began to show me that I did not have to go through this alone. But I was still staying focused on building my wall with the other bricks in my life. I could either blame others, this was their fault, um, or I would blame and shame myself. I was doing something wrong, and then I was done. Working steps one, two, three, a little bit into four, just around my crippling insecurity and raging, I saw God moving in my life in those ways, but I didn't even know what a God or a higher power was because I stayed stuck on other people. I stayed stuck on trying to build that wall on other people, places, and things. And one of my favorite tools was the brainstorm. I would spin, you know, the big book says, not for me, the grouch or the brainstorm. These may be the dubious luxury of other men. Well, I had a brainstorm going on 24-7, spinning, and, and what I later came to understand and call, make up a term, the talk storm. I would talk and talk and talk, always staying in the problem. I wore out one sponsor. I think I just about wore out another sponsor because always I would call, and they would lovingly listen, but I was always overwhelmed and hard done by life, endless talking and commiserating about the problem. Life was still happening to me. I was still living from the outside in. Some little thing would happen, and I would be in tears, or I would be enraged, and I would sit there for hours and hours and hours analyzing them and playing God or making other people in life my gods that I look to for all the magical answers that might fill me up. I was blessed to walk into OA. My sponsor in the other program had, uh, had invited me uh, to her to the face-to-face meeting that I go to now where she would receive her 25-year chip for her recovery in Overeaters Anonymous, uh, knowing she was planting a seed that would bear fruit a couple hours later, a couple years later. Um, they welcomed me there. You see, I was in a way in pay program. And I had done this medically managed deal, and I had lost. I was their star pupil. No one getting that the fact that I could adhere perfectly to a ridiculous regimen for 22 weeks of rapid weight loss was a sign not that I was the, the fullest person in the room, but that I was the hungriest person in the room. And when I ran out of money, I ran out of their support, and I just began again. For as we say in this program, the disease is off there to the side doing push-ups. And it had me in its crosshairs again. I met a sponsor in OA who helped me to get abstinent. I came to understand a different mentality than a diet mentality most of all. They seemed unsurprised 
by my thoughts. I'm surprised that I had this great um, craziness going on all the time in my head and my life, and they welcomed me there to the safety of those meetings. One day, uh, my current sponsor walked in. Uh, she was had been through a Vision for You uh, sponsorship. She was newly recovered, looking for sponsees, and she had something that I wanted. She seemed full. And so that I called her. We set up a time. And I started with my basic abstinence, reading the big book, using big book resources, highlighting, uh, looking up words that I didn't understand, listening to the meetings uh, two to three hours a day, reprogramming my brain, listening to special edition after special edition. And as I read through the book, I came to one of my first spiritual experiences when I read that there was indeed uh, that they believe there is no middle of the road solution. We are in a position where life was becoming impossible, page 25. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two returns. One was to go on to the bitter end blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to seek spiritual, to accept spiritual help. Wow, that was me. For years, I had tried to blot out this sense of emptiness. By blotting out, consciousness means awakeness blotting out my awakeness of my intolerable situation as best I could. I was doing the best I could, but it was never enough. There was never enough food. There was never enough starvation. There was never enough <clears throat> laxative. There was never enough exercise bulimia. There was never, ever enough. So, no middle of the road. The other alternative was to accept spiritual help. So, all of a sudden, it came together for me that the reason these steps are driving us towards increasing our conscious contact with God as we understand God is because we're going to be done blotting out our awakeness of the problem and we're going to be shifting shifting and becoming awake, conscious, in, in contact with some power that is greater than myself. Accepting spiritual help, accepting awakeness, accepting help at all wasn't something I knew much about. We kept reading, and I had this increased willingness to add foods and ingredients and behaviors to my list, committed, committed to, uh, to knowing each of the things that were standing in the way, that were triggering my allergy, that were triggering the mental obsession, as I come to understand it in the doctor's opinion, and triggering me back into a life lived just on self-will. 
if you had told me when I started that I would give up Diet Coke, I would never have started this program. I was drinking four or five 32 ounces of Diet Coke every single day. Uh, I thought that, that that was my tool, that was my higher power, uh, that fit with my diet mentality, um, that sweetener gave me just that comfort and ease that I needed. Um, but as I continued in this book and continued to be awake to what could be just beyond what I could see, I came to understand that I was using this drink as fuel. I was using this drink instead of rest. And I was using it to blot out what was really going on in my life. A miracle happened one day as I was eating my uh, abstinent foods, as I was pursuing my food plan, I felt physically full. For the first time in decades, some power greater than myself was at work. I felt full. I took another bite just to be sure. But yes, I was full, physically full, and I could push back the plate. That was not my own power. But what would I do with my emotions, with my emotional emptiness and swinging? As I got into the fourth step entirely abstinent, I saw things a whole different way. For the fourth step only asked of me that I take an inventory, not that I take an emotional trip down memory lane with each and every uh, resentment and fear and harm, heaping shame upon myself that had always paralyzed me when faced with this step before. For after all, I only needed to know the exact natures of my wrongs. And as I went through all my resentments and my fears and my harm, I began to see that my emotional nature was centered in my mind, that I was staying sore and afraid, that I was always building walls in my life, trying to keep the waters in, trying to stay full somehow, some way. I came to this program pursuing the end to physical hunger that was endless and chasing abstinence by my own willpower. Then I began to chase an end to my emotional hunger, trying to acquire serenity from the outside in by imposing somehow quiet on my life. Well, <laughs> the mother of three teenagers, uh, that was not a reality that life was going to settle down. Serenity was about something different entirely. It wasn't about getting into the world and running the show and getting others to change. Finally, one little prayer that I don't feel is quoted often enough from the big book brought about for me a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening 
sufficient to bring about a psychic change. On page 59, as I was highlighting, I had blue for things I felt were prayers. I, I began to highlight in blue this little prayer tucked away before the steps. I had read it in face-to-face meetings uh, as we used this section uh, to open with the 12 steps but never noticed it. It says this, we asked for his protection and care with complete abandon. Now here's something I had never experienced before. A sense of being cared for and protected. I had had glimpses through humans, through circumstances. I had had flashes, but all of a sudden something was different. I had been looking up the words and the meaning of words, and as I broke this prayer down, it was powerful indeed. It began to satisfy my hunger. It says we, so first of all, I'm not alone. This is a community. If you are still suffering in and out of the room, on or off this phone line, we, together, we ask. That is to inquire. That is an action. Ask is to to say something in order to obtain an answer or some information. Boy, did I need an answer or some information. For his protection, I didn't know what my higher power exactly was, except this was a protection and care that came from outside of myself, not from my achievement, my perfection, my food, my uh, controlling, my compliance, my people-pleasing. What was I to ask for? Protection, that is the prevention of injury or harm. Could there be a protection out there that would protect me from injury or harm? I always felt like I was living life with my nerves on the outside, buffeted around by life. Uh, always raw, and care, the provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone. What if there was a higher power who had already taken care of the provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of me. I hadn't noticed it. I had stayed dwelling until then on my resentment, on my fears, on the harm I had done, burying my head in the sand, blotting out my awakeness to my intolerable situation. But now I began to inquire if there was someone who could prevent injury or harm, who could already, I could live as if someone already provided what was necessary for my health, welfare, maintenance, and protection. This changed everything. Because as I looked up the synonyms this meant 
that my higher power, my God, was to be my barrier, my buffer, my shield, my aid, my assistance, my succor. This higher power was to be the barrier, the buffer, the shield, the seawall that would protect and keep me in safe harbor. How does this work? Well, we ask for his protection and care for this barrier, buffer, and shield with complete abandon and complete, which is the heart of my talk, complete means full. I couldn't believe it when I looked it up. Full. And what was I to be full of? Not full of the food anymore. Not full of uh, a life where I would achieve and please people and demand uh, from others what I could not find myself. I was to be full of abandon. What does abandon mean? To give up completely, having run my course. I was to be full of giving up. That I was ready to do. To be full, not of food, but of giving up completely. To be full of giving up. Having run my course, and did I run my course for decades. I tried looking for it in childhood. I tried looking for it by my own means. I tried in achievements. I tried looking for it from other people. And now, in this different way of life, sorry about that, now in this different way of life, we would ask for the higher power to be the barrier, buffer, shield, help, assistance. And I would simply be full of giving up having run my course. And this is how I began to work the steps. In the fourth step, then I found that every resentment I had came because I was looking to another person, place, or institution to provide care, to provide protection, to provide direction, to provide connection, to provide security, to provide a sense of self-worth. And I came to understand as I shared my fifth step with my loving sponsor that now I could turn to this higher power and ask this higher power for care and protection and direction and security and connection and a sense of worth. I could live from the inside out, from that safe place that that barrier of protection was. I didn't have to hold on to resentment and stay sore. Because that care and protection and all those things, they would come from somewhere else. I didn't have to feel afraid 
as I released my fears, recognizing that they came from self-reliance and not God-reliance, that they came from my finite vision, from my finite self, and not from an infinite view of my higher power. I realized every fear I had of the future was because I was bracing, existing in a world where uh, I could not get care and protection, the provision of everything that is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone. If I had this, I could let go of fear. I could pray that fear prayer. We ask God to remove our fear and direct our attention to how God would have me be. And the answer was not perfect, but the answer was just a growing, unfolding child of the universe, claiming spiritual progress, not perfection. Progress, a word meaning onward movement towards a goal. So there it was. The harm that I had done, these harms did not have to keep me buried Uh, with my head in the sand, holding my hands up to provide my own uh, care and protection. These harms could be looked at fearlessly because I had made these harms and I was willing to look at them in a new way and begin to imagine how to live a different life with a different ideal. As I gave away my fifth step, as I went home to pray, as I I, uh, prayed that seven-step prayer, this higher power, who I would act as if on the days I did not believe, could give me care and protection and direction and security and connection and a sense of worth, this higher power could have all of me, good and bad. I could ask this higher power to remove from me every defect of character which stood in the way of my usefulness to my higher power. Instead of swinging from grandiosity to anxiety and depression, interestingly enough, I could just be one among many. The conclusion that my favorite author comes to as well, I could just be useful. A simple life. Controversial perhaps, but based on some special editions I enjoy, I wrote down my character defects and their opposites, and I began, I put them on a bookmark as a fellow suggested, and I would pray Teach me not to be self-centered. What's the opposite? To think of the needs of others and work for them. I would pray, teach me not to be self-seeking and pray for the opposite, altruism, giving without expectation of return. Everything I had given most of my life, I wanted something back. Validation, reassurance, care, protection, connection. Now I was to get these things from my higher power. 
<laughs> One speaker says that um, we learn about these character defects and we get familiar with them so we can't stand them. So we're eager to get into eight and nine and begin to um, see the transformation that could take place. And sure enough, I put this higher power to the test. I put this spiritual awakening to the test. Could I go back to businesses that I had stole from, to waitresses and managers that I had been rude and raging with? Could I go even to the family that I had hurt by being the tornado, being a source of confusion rather than harmony, always insisting that I could run the show when I had no idea what was best for them or for other people. Could I do this? Well, each amen. God does not make too hard a job of it, uh, as the book says, more or less. Each amen. I couldn't believe it. I went to these businesses wondering if I'd be locked up in jail. Every place I went, there was a person who was working uh, the 12 steps. When I went to one major retailer, uh, the person was about 20 years younger than me. And as I began to ask um, and share my amends, she began to weep. She said, I wish my brother could get to the eighth and ninth steps. He's been in his addiction so long. As I told uh, a wait staff and a manager that I had made their difficult job more difficult with my insistence. She said, oh, no, it's okay. We always knew we had to take extra special care of you. And I said, no, no, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Your job is tough, and I made it harder with my, uh, with my behavior. And she began to cry. Can I share this with the rest of the staff? Can I tell them? Then I went to family and told them how I had made things more difficult with my in-laws, with power struggles. I went to those closest to me, those for whom there's still a long road of reconstruction ahead, those who still see my defects pop up and my defects um, instead of my trust and reliance on my higher powers, care and protection, and told them the truth. I am the tornado. And I'm married to such an amazing guy that I said, I like severe weather. I like tornadoes. And much to my realization um, and delight, he had, in fact, um, been given to me by a gracious higher power. I became fearful thinking about what our family would be without his strong and steady presence which I frequently and constantly criticize. I began to live in steps 10, 11, and 12. I had always thought that you say the word recovered and then life is magically better. But in 10, 11, and 12, I found my higher power constantly humbling me and showing me that I looked to my boss for care and protection, that I looked for my kids being 
okay or performing up to my standards for my care and protection. I look to criticizing others to protect myself uh, against the idea that I was indeed in so many situations the problem. I was sent out with instructions never to criticize and argue. And when I couldn't live up to that and I would call other people with my 10 steps, I learned the grace and power of living toward progress rather than perfection. Onward movement towards a goal. I learned the beauty along the way of the pause, pausing when I'm irritable and doubtful, asking not for what I should do 10 years from now and the next 15 steps, but for the next right thought or action, humbly reminding myself that I don't run the show. The rhythms of my life, which used to be dominated by food and food planning and gaining and shame and uh, hunger that could never be satisfied, a life that also used to be filled with emotional swings, high and low, and nothing was ever good enough, and spiritual hunger, an emptiness, a black hole with no bottom. That all changed and is changing for me every day. I uh, work the steps 10, 11, 12 every day. I have a rhythm to my life that begins based on a suggestion from a special edition. Every morning, I hug myself and I say uh, to my higher power, whom I choose to call God, God, I'm yours and I trust you. And thus, my deepest connection, I don't wait for that to be from some human, from my husband or my kids or some friend or the people I meet. My connection comes from my higher power. Then as I go into gratitude, which always moves me out of self-pity, which is for me, like Bill says in his story, quicksand, um, I go in and, and I, as my sponsor taught me, I write down my gratitude. I listen to the meeting. I write down my gems from the meeting. I uh, I get into the on awakening prayer, uh, asking about my motives that are selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and committing to pause. God is in the pause for me. If I can pause when I'm irritable and doubtful, I become awake not to my circumstances, to life on the outside where I used to live from the outside in. But if I pause and ask, could my higher power already be there? Could my higher power already be providing me with care and protection and direction and security and connection and a sense of worth? Then things begin to shift. I release my 10 steps first to my higher power. And when they are stubborn, as they often are, many times a day, uh, using uh, one of the apps and the groups for 10 steps. So many blessed fellows that have taught me so much in their feedback about myself. 
uh, each night as I share on the 11-step uh, train and receive from an 11-step train. Um, I review my day and uh, I go through my day so that I might be more useful the next day. Uh, I continue to increase my awakeness to God's presence in this way. And when I face an issue or problem that seems too big, too large, the other day, <laughs> well, yeah, Friday night, I hit one and, uh, and I realized I had some hidden resentments, hidden fears, um, and uh, once again, I had to ask if my higher power was big enough, was my higher power big enough to provide care and protection in this circumstance? Sometimes I believe it, and sometimes I don't. But if I live, if I live as if my higher power will do this, my life becomes infinitely better. I choose to seek, to live as if acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. So life uh, is very uh, different for me now. The rhythms of every single day are different for me now. And I'm so very thankful for that. I still live uh, broken. I still try to live in step 12 in service. I'm blessed to have uh, sponsees that my higher power has brought into my life. I'm blessed to have an outreach line available for, to that same app. I'm blessed to uh, have people, newcomers, that I can reach out to. <laughs> my favorite question, how come you're so wise? And I always say, I have screwed up so much. I have tried my own way so many times till I couldn't do it anymore. So the question I asked at the beginning was pretty simple. Um, when will I be full? <laughs> I was full for the first time physically when I turned over my food, when I was able to seek spiritual help so I didn't need to just blot out my awakeness to my intolerable situation with the food, but could really get a clean abstinence and a good food plan. Um, that works for my compulsive over and under eating. And God gave me the gift of feeling full. When was I able to be full emotionally? I was able to be full emotionally when I could look at life and break down all of life, not into a brainstorm or a talk storm uh, where I built things up bigger and bigger and bigger and pretended like I was still that kid lying across my parents' doorway. If I could just figure out and analyze what was going on in there, then somehow I would have protection and care. No, my higher power told me. My, my parents never, not in 10 years, ever walked out their door and put me to bed or told me to go and play. But I had healing therapy. And I, I learned this image, my higher power telling me, go rest, go play, go serve. 
You don't need to lay here anymore on the doorstep of life, listening, analyzing, trying to figure out everyone else, staying in the brainstorm, staying in the talk storm, where my problems always got bigger and bigger. Instead now, I do a 10th step, and my problem goes from a couple of words about the resentment, the fear, the harm, and the cause, just a couple of words, and then uh, delving into what area of my life it affects, but more importantly, where have I been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid, and asking God to remove this, and seeking relief, and uh, setting wrong that I have done again, right as best I could, living an emotionally sober life, striving for my ideal of being predictable and trustworthy for a family that never had that from me and for a work. God has given me work that is useful, service that is useful, and I feel uh, very blessed indeed. And that's where I get my spiritual hunger satisfied because God is doing for me the first prayer in the big book, I, I think of the prayer, that God would do for me what I cannot do for myself. To my higher power, just do for me what I cannot do for myself. Uh, we ask for God's care and protection with complete abandon. We, none of us are in this alone, ask to take an action of inquiring for a God who cares, the provision of everything that is necessary for my health, welfare, maintenance and protection of someone, protection from injury and harm. And how do I do this? What does it require of me? How ironic after all my pushing and seeking and all my helplessness and powerlessness and unmanageability. All I need is to be full, not of the food, but full of giving up, having run my course completely. I am full. And if this can happen for me, and I say this not as something trite, it can happen for everyone. Perhaps this solution might work for you too. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for all your service. Thank you, Julie, for your beautiful and inspiring presentation this morning. Your experience and personal insights are greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Today's Share ID is 11,663. That's 11663 for Julie E.B.'s presentation this morning. Julie's contact information will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so stay tuned for that. We are now going to transition to a question-answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. Please offer your first name and first letter of your last name as well. Nancy T. Nancy T. Kathy K. Kathy K. Thank <laughs> you. 
Cindy K. Melissa C. Melissa C. Cindy K. Correct. Cindy K. Yes. Anyone else in this grouping? Okay. Everybody mute, please, except for Nancy T. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. And thank you, Julie, for so eloquently sharing um, about your transformation from um, self-reliance to higher power reliance. I, too, have recently recently experienced that experience and that freedom, and I um, feel full, as you described today. Thank you, God. Um, I, curiosity is, this question is more out of curiosity. Um, when you were talking about your um, release from the diet soda problem, I, too, had that same problem, and it was one of my little secrets that I carried through all of my attempts to do it Nancy's way, Nancy's way, Nancy's way, over and over and over again, always to fall short because I never finished the work. But um, it was it was one of my little secrets that I carried. And this time through the steps, exactly as the big book instructs, um, following them to a T, what happened is when I was in my hour of quiet time with God after I gave away my fourth step in step five, um, it was almost as if God spoke out loud. That's how clear it was which revealed to me if I don't give up my problem with artificial sweetener, I will never get the recovery I am looking for. And it was pretty profound. I, you know, but I was willing at that point, this time through the steps, I was so willing to do whatever it took. And I was like, okay. And I I got honest with my sponsor. I got honest with everybody and I gave it up willingly. And I have had this amazing freedom. So the curiosity question is did you have some kind of real profound experience when you finally were willing to give up the diet soda and the artificial sweetener, or was it just something that was kind of, as you were working through the steps, you became aware of and were willing to let go? So just curiosity. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for your question and uh, for sharing uh, your, your experience, strength, and hope uh, with this as well. Um, I, I, um, as I continued uh, reading the big book uh, with my sponsor, I just became aware that uh, that um, all of this stuff I was listening to, hearing on the line, and uh, you know the great talks that are out there um, on abstinence, the special editions, and. Um, uh, you know uh, the um, the abstinence kind of instructions on on behaviors ingredients from from a website that I was using um, that that clearly as I as my food became uh, proportional and right size that uh, constantly I could I could tell that this uh, diet soda became in a sense, more of an obsession even. And it became clear to me that if I was going to just eat food as fuel in my life, um, instead of for comfort and ease, I had to look at this. And so I began reaching out and making calls and talking to my sponsor. And I was met with a lot of graciousness, um, especially I think because I'm also a restrictor and a compulsive uh, under eater. Um, my 
my sponsor was always very gracious with me so that I didn't swing back into this black and white kind of absolute thinking. And so, you know, it's like, okay, try it. Well, I tried one a day, and that would last me for like six hours. And I realized that I, I had this set in my mind. I work a job with on-call hours, and I thought that this was giving me fuel and that this was giving me energy. Uh, but I, I came to understand that that energy needed to come from somewhere else. So um, it was the hardest thing I gave up and the thing that I had to have the most uh, God-reliance to give up. Uh, but I was, by that time, I really, really wanted to get into four, to get into what other people had. I really, really wanted to get in the solution, and I didn't want anything blotting out my awakeness anymore. So thanks for your question. Thank you, Nancy T. Kathy K. Your turn. Thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you, Julie. It was just wonderful to hear your share today. Thank you for your generosity. I'm so glad you pointed out the prayer on page 59. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. What I realized as you were taking that prayer apart is that one of the big challenges I have myself and my sponsees have is really um, getting to that place of complete abandon. Um, and I wondered if there are things that you do when you find yourself holding on, not letting go with complete abandon um, to help you or how you help your sponsees with this very challenging and important process. Yeah, thanks, Kathy Kay, for your question. Oh, full, how do I get full of giving up having run my course? Um, uh Life seems to help me a lot. Uh, the food helps me. Um, you know, I uh, I had uh, I had you know near stroke, two back surgeries. I got to a point where I couldn't breathe without oxygen. Um, at that point, there was a measure of giving up uh, some of the physical, but then. I wanted to go into the restricting and the self-will, but that led me to stark raving abstinence. I was raging at my elderly mother. Um, I was um, had all these feelings. I hadn't yet discovered that food was my comfort and ease. I didn't know why, but I I was determined that I would achieve it, and and uh, that I would achieve some kind of weight that I needed and. Um, and yet I, I, I was so, uh, so lost. Life was so painful and so full of uh, emotions that I couldn't control that were hurting me. And, um, and, uh, and then, um, so, so then, you know, really the faces of my family, the people I love the most, the people I worked with, um, I had been born with the ability to to be intuitively read people, um, and um, 
when I could see and not be blotted out but from the food, but see see uh, how I was hurting them when I would say something, you know, now, you know, not yelling, but even raising my voice or moving into being more emotional, um, my kids will be like, don't do that, and they'll start bracing, and I'll run off to my room. So um, I really, um, I really, um, I guess, um, you know, like I said, I have three teenagers, 19, 17, and 15, um, and uh, as life happens, as I face finances I can't control, other things I can't control, um, I ask myself if I'm done trying it my own way. That God is everything or nothing. Um, I thought that I wanted this full-time job, for example. Let me give one example. I thought I wanted this full-time job, and uh, but now, looking back, if I'd had that full-time job, my son would not be starting his second year on a full-ride scholarship to one of the top country uh, colleges in the country. Um, because he would not have the financial aid that he needed. He would have been in this intermediate income range that's so painful for families. And um, and so God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. So I guess the answer is as life comes along and I stay in 10, 11, and 12, um, I just keep seeing that I can't do it myself. Um, thanks. Thank you, Julie. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kathy K. Cindy K. Star one to unmute. Hi, may I be heard? I hear you fine. Thank you. I'm Cindy K. Recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you, everybody, for your service. I am so um, thankful for the special edition today. Thank you for all that you shared. Um, I am realizing more and more that my raging and my um, attempting to be in control, my dependence on others um, has just has been a part of my addiction. It's a part of my illness. Um, it's a part of wanting to go to other people and um, My attempt right now, what I'm struggling with, is trying to go to God, um, trying to decide if I should go to God or other people because I've been so dependent on other people. Um, Can you give any insight on how to, um, and how do you know when to go to other people and when to go to your higher power? Thank you. I'll pass. Yeah, thank you, uh, Cindy. You know, it, it, it's um, it's great to hear that um, my sponsor would say it's amazing and wonderful that you can now feel and know these things, these defects about yourself, and 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 want to have them gone. Um, you know, there was a time in my life I wasn't even conscious of this. I would say I was raging because. Uh, my husband did this or that, or because someone else did this or that, and um, and I couldn't even see uh, that it was one of my defenses 
um, and so um, so um, I I really um, for me you know it's not there until the 11 step prayer but the app I use um, uh, has that awakening prayer it's one of the prayers on it and and pretty early in the program I started to go to that paragraph where it says we pause and irritate or doubtful and for me it's the pause and and if I can get into the pause sooner with the first thought with the first feeling of discomfort even after I've said the first intemperate word if I can pause and <laughs> my magical secret is you know no one can argue no one can argue with the run so not to offend anyone but if you run away to the bathroom uh, very few people follow you, um, and so there are a few, and there are a few for whom maybe one needs to leave the house uh, if one's in conflict. But um, if I run to the bathroom, whether I'm at work or um, at home, if I can, if I can get a pause, run to my room, uh, if I can pause, ah, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I, I look at my prayers. I look at, um, you know, writing into a, a, a fourth step or tenth step, whichever step that I'm on. Um, I can reach out and make a phone call. Um, and um, uh, and I can really, um, something shifts. So, so sometimes I, I go to other people. I tend to try uh, to, to go to my higher power. And if about my commitment is if after about three times it's still popping into my head, I'm still in that brainstorm, I'm still recycling, um, then I know for sure I, go, I commit to go to another person. Uh, yes, that one I had Friday night. I had to go a couple times, and the last time I shared, I finally started crying. I got in touch with the hurt and grief that was going on. A lot of that rage was protecting feelings I didn't know how to feel without the food. And so um, so I've done a lot of learning about that, too. Hope that helps. And uh, keep, keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy K. Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you, Julie. I got so much out of what you shared this morning. Um, you had a beautiful definition for care, and um, I just found it really powerful, and I was hoping you could kind of repeat that again. And, and then the second part I wanted to um, ask you, if you could talk some more about um, how you're not seeking care or that sense of being filled from your kids' successes and well-being? Because I could really, um, I could relate to that, and I would like to hear some more of, of that from you. Thank you. Well, this could be a humbling moment. Um, so care, care um, and these were all just looked up online dictionaries uh, as I went through the book, um, but uh, the provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone. Provision of what is necessary for the health, 
welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone. Also, if you uh, text me after the meeting uh, or call, I can um, just text you the, the brief uh, little note write-up that I have of this as well. Um, as far as not seeking from the kids, knowing that um, my kids uh, may listen uh, to this uh, special edition, uh, they would tell you that this is still a long road of reconstruction for me. Um, and that's, you know, a quote from the big book where I'm the tornado and um, can't just come out of the cellar and say, oh, yeah. Um, so this is still a part of the long road of reconstruction. Um, uh, my son in college, I want to know that he's okay even though he's far away. Um, and what, but when I feel that impulse, um, I, I, uh, I pause. I pause. And um, a couple of prayers, one is from a daily reader in OA um, that I use is, um, I love you, I bless you, I release you to your own indwelling higher power. Um, and uh, that really, that really helps me. Um, praying the third step prayer, putting that other person's name in there um, is another one that helps me. Um, but I'm still, I mean, just last night when my son got home from camp, he later noted the first thing I said that it was that he got sunburned. So I'm still can be uh, critical and, um, and that hurts them. Um, but um, I try to be useful to them so that when I'm disturbed, because the easiest way to say it is when I'm disturbed, I try to use my program. I use my 10 steps. I, um, I reach out. I, um, I um, you know, go through it with the 11-step train and get the feedback, the feedback of those folks in highlighting some of those things to me uh, when they're happening. Um, it's, it's a long road um, because part of me just wants everything to be okay uh, in their world. And, but but um, one of my kids has a, has a, and, and I, I, uh, I have a, a, a family member that's uh, in recovery and goes with me to face-to-face -face meetings, and uh, she is finding her own way. Uh, her favorite thing uh, about her sponsor is that it's not her mom. And um, she, she uh, is living absently and going through the steps and um, and uh, is changing before my eyes and I have other people you know in my family that are still suffering um, and struggling at times and um, I need to be able to be of service so I, I will go an, another thing I'll do is I'll go through my defects on that bookmark that I need to be Instead of meddling in their life, I need to be serving. Instead of controlling, I need to be accepting. Instead of running the show, I need to be useful. Um, instead of being compliant when there's something going on, I need to be, uh, I ask God to help me speak the truth non-urgently in God's time if, if I'm so led. Um, so... So, but really focusing on um, 
giving without expectation return. So, so working on when I'm disturbed, working on my program, and then going to them with the overflow of my full cup, rather than looking to them to fill it up. Um, I still ask my family for care and, and love, um, but but hopefully I'm I'm offering as well. Thanks for the great question. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Who else has a question for Julie this morning? Katie. Oh, sorry, Leah. Hey, Katie. <laughs> sorry. No problem. Anyone Gina else? R. Gina R. This may be our final invitation for questions. Karen B. Karen B. Star one to unmute. Morzy. Morzy. Kathy Joe P. Kathy Joe P. Amy T. Amy T. All right, wonderful group. Let's start with Katie G. Thanks, everybody. Good morning, Leah. Thanks for your patience with my overzealousness, and uh, thank you, Julie, for your service. I always love this meeting. Julie, I have a two-tiered quick question. One of them is I, too, um, suffer from um, getting a sense of ease and comfort that comes at once with artificial sweeteners, abused them throughout my life, and they were the hardest to put down. Um, For me, you know, I did it under the guise of entire abstinence, um, putting it all down. And I'm just wondering um, if you felt, because I heard you say Diet Coke, but I'm wanting to know um, if you put it down in other areas because it is in everything and can be added to all of our foods. And then the second question is, I know that um, when I put that artificial sweetener down, I noticed a change in my behavior. I certainly continue to be challenged by um, similar issues as you, and I'm working on that with God, but I'm just wondering if you noticed a change in your behavior. Um, That was a a huge experience for me. So um, that's it. Thanks. Um, Thanks, Katie, and thanks for all your service um, on the line. And um, I, I, um, putting down artificial sweetener um, for me um, in everything, um, I really was focused um, on Diet Coke at that time. Um, But um, my food, uh, my food is is, uh, very close in many ways. Uh, I also, uh, one of the uh, things that I have is celiac, so I have a gluten allergy. And so uh, that makes me very sick indeed. Um, and if I ignore it, you know, I can get blood cancer. So so I understand the term allergy, and uh, uh, I think uh, God has led me to understand that in a unique way. Um, for me, uh, the artificial sweetener in uh, the diet soda was the most important and dominating aspect of my life. Um, but because my food tends not to um, include a lot of things that are, well, I don't eat anything from bags, boxes, um, my, my food tends to look um, fairly close to, I don't know the right words. Uh, 
that are used these days, but it looks fairly close to food uh, <laughs> fuel uh, that comes from the earth. Um, I don't find uh, too many uh, problems with that. Um, uh, so I definitely don't, I've definitely found that for me entire abstinence means that I cannot substitute one thing for another. Um, so anyway, um, I eat a lot of basic ingredients, I guess you'd say, um, from the basic uh, food groups. Actually, the, the last thing to click in for me was from a, from a talk, a special edition, uh, high-fat cheeses. Um, that was, that was uh, the last thing to click in for me. That was my original sin that I sought comfort in childhood. And I noticed adding more and more of that because um, uh, I eat largely. Uh, um, anyway, um, so anyway, um, yeah. So so letting go of that. Um, so um, I don't I don't have to spend too much time over ingredient jars. Um, change in behavior. Uh, yeah, huge change in behavior, uh, especially around. Um, being up at night, I can be on call for 48 hours at a time. I can work like 32 of those hours. And I used to think that I needed fuel at night, food or drink at night. Um, instead, now resting when I'm tired, eating when I'm uh, when it's time for me to eat um, is uh, is 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 really um, kind of a basic. And um, I do think that was crazy making for me because it led me into a lot of negotiating. And whenever I'm in my own thinking, you know, um, I'm I'm in my disease. So um, so I think that was a, a place where I just let go of my will in a way that continues to resonate. Thanks for the question. Thanks, Julie. And thank mm -hmm. you, Katie G. Gina R., your turn. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much. This is Gina R. in Green Valley, Arizona. And Julie, um, I always get excited when I, you know, I'm wondering who it's going to be. And as soon it was like that song, name that tune, I heard your voice. And I'm like, yes, it's Julie. Um, I remember the first time I had um, the occasion to talk with you. And um mm -hmm. That was a, um, I want to say, a signal, spiritual experience for me. And so thank you for um, offering yourself that way. And then what you've done with it has been so beautiful to watch unfold. Um, I want to see if you could talk a little bit about um, the contrast between feeling full and feeling empty. Um, I relate with you about that empty feeling, but... Are you at all at peace with that feeling of emptiness now, or is it is it just being focused on the full? And if you could expand on that a little bit, I would appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, that that first conversation was really life changing for me. Uh, you made it possible uh, by your special edition, open the door for me to get um, a wider community and program. Um, with vision, and so I'm very grateful for that. And um, and uh, and uh, 
for your uh, commitment to the spiritual aspect of this program um, and sharing your your healing. For me, um, there are there are uh, circumstances and events that can drop me into that empty feeling. But I, I like to say that it used to be just a black hole, and now sometimes the elevator goes uh, past. The, the, the main level and to the ground floor with a, with a kind of a thud, but there's a ground floor, there's a self there, there's a, a, a child of the universe, a child of God, growing and unfolding. Um, um, there's a sense that, um, and that, that is, uh, that that can be enough. You know, for years in my other program, the affirmation that I, I lived because of is um, I can be who I am and that's enough and it didn't always feel like enough um, but that's when that beginning of that uh, basement began to be built so I still find that if I'm moving back into reliance on other people places things any aspect of my food you know addiction is sneaky whether it's um, I don't know, different type of food, a thought of food. It, it's not as often through food as through my behavior anymore um, that I will feel empty. Um, and that's usually when I'm going back to that place of shame, um, going back to that place where I'm nothing. And, um, and uh, when I can, um, and I feel like that, on each of those occasions, God is showing me another thing that I can't um, rely on instead of God, whether it's my finances going right or my ability to achieve some task the way I want it to or um, a sense that um, that um, my kids are <laughs> living uh, cared for and protected. It's a rough world out there, and when I see them getting hurt and suffering and struggling, um, that really uh, shakes my world. That's my largest area of agnosticism: is trying to understand huh, that God, <laughs> that God could know better than I what my what my uh, kids might need uh, or not need. Um, so, so I do feel full. I I don't feel alone. I don't feel uh, helpless. I sometimes feel powerless. Um, I sometimes experience, you know, um, step one issues of manageability. Uh, but I have a process um, and a, a pathway back. So, um, and my life is very full of, of service and of uh, reaching out and of connecting. And um, that new rhythm of life uh, is so much more full. The people are like, well, someone asked me, how can you do so much time, you know, in phone meetings and or special editions or, um, or uh, you know, doing your gratitude, or doing your 10-step work, or doing your 11-step work and 12-step work, and it's like, well, I used to spend all that time thinking about food and I thinking about obsessing and brainstorming.
Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Gina R. Karen B., your turn, star one to unmute. Hi, thank you, um, Leah, for your service, and thank you, Julie, for a wonderful, inspiring talk. In the beginning of your sharing, you shared a beautiful prayer that you called the set-aside prayer. My question is, is this something that's in the big book? I would like to uh, have a reference for that. And the second question is, several times you mentioned uh, your favorite author. And I'm just curious as to who your favorite author is. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, the set aside prayer is is not in the big book, uh, but it is very commonly used in 12 step and around some of the steps. And so, um, uh, and I can certainly text that to you. Um, and other people have uh, different versions they use. Um, with the idea of, of uh, just committing ourselves to setting aside the way we might have thought about things before. Um, my favorite author is an outside issue. So if you text or uh, call me about that, um, I, I can uh, get back to you about that. Um, but that's something that came out of therapy. I think things like uh, therapy, medication, um, all sorts of things um, that are available to us, as the big book says, by from um, doctors and religious leaders and people of all kinds um, are really um, can be helpful to us uh, in our recovery and can be treated with respect. So, yeah, so follow up with me on that and be happy to share that with you. Thank you, Karen B. Thank you, Julie, for that response. Maura Z, please. Star one to unmute Maura Z. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Thank you, Julie. Sorry, I was having technical difficulties. Thank you so much for your share, for your honesty. Um, I do have a question about your ninth step amends. You um, you shared your um, your blessings of how several of them went very well, and I'm just curious, did they all go well? <laughs> Thank did you, you have any difficulties? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, um, so um, I, I would I would say um, that um, they 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 all went. Uh, I I just what I meant by well is not exactly easy, but that I had a profound sense of being cared for and protected. Uh, at each place that I went, um, you know, I had, I had, um, you know, couples that were uh, kind of standoffish in a sense. Um, my my men's with my colleagues at work uh, were very graciously received, 
And um, but I'll tell you the truth. The truth is that the most difficult amends for me is my living amends with the people who uh, my husband and three children, in particular my mother. Um, um, that um, that um, I um, where where uh, it's not a it's not an overnight matter, and uh, I can see uh, when I get even you know close to some of those behaviors or back into a behavior, um, I can see that look in their eye, um, and I can too easily want to crawl under a rock instead of. Uh, still uh, not drifting into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, um, and uh, and so uh, those those uh, living amends um, really are the ones that I struggle with the most. I kept mine fairly simple, and I kept them to my side of the street, and so um, they didn't. I and I I was not looking for a certain outcome from that person, so I think that's what stayed kept me free from thinking that they went badly. I mean, my counselor was like, wow, what have you been doing? Like in two weeks, like what, what, what is something totally different? So I don't, I'm not sure he was a big 12-stepper. Uh, so, um, so it was a, a, a huge change for me. Um, but the living amends are the toughest uh, for sure um, because I need to keep going back to that. And um, there's someone on the line right now who helped me a lot when I was first starting my 10 steps who just kept sending me a text, you're in morbid reflection, you're in morbid reflection, get out of morbid reflection, you're in morbid reflection, this limits your usefulness, get out of morbid reflection. And uh, I smile when I think about that because it really helps me to keep trying to be useful um, the next hour and the next day and the next minute. Thanks. Thank you, Maura Z. Kathy, Joe P., your turn. Good morning, Kathy, Joe P. Julie, I just want to say how happy I am to hear you today and what a privilege it is and how it's been such a pleasure to trudge along with you and how much I see you do service and your humbleness in working these steps is so inspiring. I'm wondering two things. One, you shared a prayer when Melissa C. asked you a question. It was very short. If you could repeat that prayer. And also a little bit more about your 11th step and your time with God each day. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, thank you, Kathy Joe P. And thank you for making available uh, so many resources that um, I've been able to use to grow and change in this program. Um, your faithful service is very much appreciated. Um, the prayer is, I think, from Voices. I think... Uh, uh, it was given to me by someone in my face-to-face meeting, um, and uh, it's in one of the daily readers for OA. And uh, what I understand or have taken from it, you know, sometimes these things do evolve, um, is I love you, I bless you, I release you 
to your own indwelling higher power. So especially with my kids and my husband, especially when I get resentments that get what I call sticky, they keep sticking to me. Um, um, and there's one more prayer for those I resent that I got off of a phone meeting in Diego in a group um, that I use if I'm really um, a little bit stuck. But I love you, I bless you, I release you to your own indwelling higher power. Oh, let me um, let go of self. Let me do that complete abandon and giving up. Um, for my my 11 step and my time with God, um, really, like I said, before I get out of bed, it's the hug of myself, which I used to look for in the rest of the world, um, that says, um, uh, that says, God, I'm yours. And I trust you. Um, and then uh, as I get out of bed, um, I'm um, listening. I'm reading the awakening prayer. I am um, listening to the meeting as I get ready, the first meeting, because I'm in mountain time, uh, often recorded. Uh, sometimes I start work very early, so one unfortunate lie. Um, and um, and then um, as I go uh, for my walk or my run, um, I do a lot of time uh, in meditation, uh, particularly uh, praising and thanking, um, using some uh, meditation, um, and um, going through my prayers at some point during the morning. I go through a list of my defects, praying, uh, praying for the least of my defects and the opposite. Um, and um, but uh, the awakening prayer, the question of my motives, if I'm planning for the day, uh, it's an important part of that. Um, and then I try to uh, be looking and alert. Uh, my work is <laughs> variable shift, different times, uh, different availability, but I try and um, reach out and service to others. Uh, several, um, let's see, uh, what else? Um, I uh, pause and pray frequently uh, throughout the day. I'm blessed to have a job uh, where I offer prayer um, with other people, and uh, this is very strengthening to me and where I can uh, seek time uh, on my own to pray. Um, and then um, at night, I, um, I also um, do some yoga practice and, um, and uh, use that time to set aside my Story, have different intentions, breathe in and out, use it for breathing. Um, and then my 11th step uh, partner, I go through and review my day. Um, and then I, I spend time in prayer um, and, uh, and meditation. Um, 
Yeah. That's uh, what I do. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you, Kathy Joe P., for the questions. Our final question for this morning comes from Amy T., star one, to unmute. Amy. Thank you. This is Amy T. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Leah, and thank you, Julie, so much, both of you. And Julie, mm-hmm. it's an amazing, amazing recovery um my question is related to the amends too you talk about the living amends did you have a uh, did you have a a spoken amends to your children did you tell them things that you did um and that's basically my question thank you uh yes uh thank you yeah i i did indeed um and um i did indeed and uh and uh for each one different personalities, different people different, but um I talked to them, I expressed um, my uh my part and um how I'd come to understand that it made their life more difficult. And I um but I also um included and shared um how i my ideal um asked for them to um, continue to um to hold me to that ideal to uh to bring things to me um which they've been um, able to do um and you know express uh, my intentions, and of course I've um, made other um, amends uh, since then as uh, new things have come up. Um, you know, I think a lot about the fact that they loved me at every weight, and I was at every weight, and they loved me at every weight, and in that way it's like a living expression of my higher power as I've come to understand my higher power. Um, that they saw they saw something uh, beyond. Um, and their graciousness in continuing to try to maintain and have relationship with me um, despite the harm that I have done and do to them. Um, is a reminder, you know, another phrase I use um, a lot to define my higher power is out of a scripture that I'm familiar with, and it's return to the Lord your God, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Um, and that is a healing um, higher power for me, and also a healing ideal for me. Um, because the truth is my kids have been more gracious and forgiving uh, than I deserve. Um, and um, I just keep praying that God will do for them what God cannot, uh, what I, I uh, did not do, that God would redeem what I have broken um, and that, um, that I would have a chance. Uh, and just really be grateful. That's another way. Just be grateful. Try and spend time in meditation being grateful 
for different aspects of who they are and express that to them uh, because I was a and can still be a very critical mother. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I um, yeah, so thank you for letting me share and for asking that question um, about the ongoing process. Thanks. Thank you, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Thank you to everyone who asked questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Julie E.B., for offering so much of yourself here on the line this morning. We appreciate your generosity of time and service. Thank you. I'm going to close now from page 164. You'll find it in our textbook in a chapter entitled A Vision for You page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.